Welcome to the Resus X podcast, the free open access medical education podcast dedicated to your critically ill and crashing patients. My name is Haney Malamet and I will be your host for this podcast. Resus X is a conference that is dedicated to the sickest patients that you have in the hospital. Resus X takes a multidisciplinary approach to caring for these patients. Because resuscitation is not limited to one discipline, it is a multidisciplinary approach and we get the best of the best speakers to help you understand the concepts that you need to take care of your patients. Episode one of this podcast features none other than Scott Weingart. This was recorded at the 2022 ResusX conference that was held virtually last year in November. Scott will be discussing in this podcast why arterial lines are an essential part of your cardiac arrest patients. He's going to be giving you tips and tricks on how to place the lines, everything that you need to know on the interpretation. This is a vital component of taking care of patients who are in cardiac arrest. So if you want to provide the most cutting edge, state-of-the-art care for your patients, you do not want to miss this podcast. I am going to be bringing you these podcasts on a regular basis from now until our next conference, which is going to be held in October. We will be releasing dates and more information soon. But in the meantime, let's kick this first inaugural podcast off with Dr. Scott Weingart. I've gotten a lot of questions on the show about how to actually place an arterial line during cardiac arrest. So I figured I'd give this lecture to help you learn this vital skill. Now, I'm not gonna teach you just how to do it in terms of being able to monitor but coming down the pike are a whole bunch of endovascular therapies like Reboa that I think will be part of medical arrest within the next five years. So I'm gonna teach you also how to access the femoral artery to be able to do procedures like that as well. All right, let's talk about stuff. I do not like the needle that comes with a standard uh, ED femoral art kit. They're tiny, they're 20 gauge, they don't show up well in ultrasound, they don't reach on obese patients. They're fine if you have the time and you can just switch out if they're too short. Um, but during cardiac arrest, you want one shot getting it. And that means using a better needle. Now you could just grab a needle from a central line kit or a cordis kit, and those will work. Those will be 18 gauge, they're much longer than the standard art line needles. That'll get the job done. But since I don't want to waste an entire kit just to steal a needle, I actually have a purpose-built needle. I don't take money from any of these folks, but a company called Pajunk makes the best one in my estimation. It is insanely crenellated, so it's echolucent. You can see it like a lightsaber. It, you could buy them quite long, so you could easily access an obese patient. And they have markings to tell you where the bevel is. They're just ideal for this purpose, and that's really what they're made for. Catheter set. You could just use a standard uh, ICU art line. But the problem with that is they don't take the wires that you may use for any additional procedures like ECMO, like Reboa, like your IR people being able to use it. So really when you want to place during a cardiac arrest is something that's at least four French, that it's 18 gauge. And that'll allow you to do anything you want with this later on. And so uh, what we have is we have four French sheets. They look just like the cordis sheets, the introducer sheets you used to for like a subclavian, but uh, they're just much, much tinier in diameter. Um, and your hospital probably has them. Your IR people use them. Uh, your cardiology people use them. So a four French sheath is really what you want. Uh, if you couldn't find that, could you use these small art lines? Sure. Um, could you use a central line? If, as long as they were narrow, they make five gauge, uh, five French central lines, sure. But uh, ideally, this is just big enough and it's as small as you can get away with. And it's really what I like. So four French sheaths. 
All right, and then you need an ultrasound machine uh, with a linear probe. Let's talk about prep. I prep my needle simply by taking it out of its uh, holder because I don't use a syringe on my needle for art lines at all, uh, cardiac arrest or otherwise. So it makes it super easy. You want to get your wire prepped. I don't like those thumb things because sometimes they're not there and then you're used to it and you don't, you can't use them the way you're, they're supposed to be used because you've gotten this muscle memory of just using, always using that thumb thing. And I always want the wire to be such that when I pick it up and put it in the needle, it's already uh, out the distal side of the needle with one thrust. And therefore, I know I'm not going to lose it if the patient moves or what have you. So I just take the enough wire out, like five inches of wire out of its, you know, holder. And I make sure that cheat stays on. The cheat's the thing that straightens the J-tip. And I just have that sitting a couple inches away from my dominant hand. So my hand is going to place the needle and then be able to reach down right next to it, grab the wire and push it in. All right, let's talk about vessel location. Now, you need to be able to find the uh, artery not using any of the standard stuff. You can't hit a vessel and see, oh, it's pulsatile, it's an artery. Disappears during cardiac arrest. They're both pulsatile. You can't go by color. They look the same color during cardiac arrest. The only thing you could use is their anatomy on ultrasound, the thick wall versus thin wall. Then you find them both and then you compare it and you say, that one's artery, that one's vein. That is the only thing that legitimately will work uh, during cardiac arrest. So do not use these other techniques. Find both vessels. And that will allow you to compare and say, this one's thick and this one's thin. And the vein gets really big during cardiac arrest and the artery gets really small. So you really have to go looking for that artery. All right. Then you want to find the right spot on the artery, which means you want to be not in the superficial femoral artery where a lot of ED uh, arterial lines are placed, but you want to be in the common femoral artery. But you don't want to be so high in the common femoral artery that you risk retroperitoneal puncture. So what you really want is do you want to be in the common femoral vessels distal to the inguinal ligament. Now, how do you find that? Simple on ultrasound. You find your artery. Okay, that's an artery. You move down the leg distally until it splits into two. You know that's the bifurcation. You then move back up until it just turns into one. That's right at the bifurcation. And then you move two centimeters up from that. That's going to put you in that sweet spot between the inguinal ligament and the bifurcation. And that's exactly where you want your needle tip to enter the vessel. That's not where your needle enters the skin because you need some time to progress underneath the skin to get right under your probe face. So that is where you want to hit the vessel. All right, let's talk about hitting that vessel. Let's talk about hitting the artery. All right, CPR is ongoing. That's going to make this tougher. Doesn't make it impossible, it makes it tougher. What makes it a lot easier is if you have mechanical CPR, like a Lucas device, much less movement at the groin than with hand CPR. So how do you then duplicate those you know, nice placid effects when you have people doing hand CPR? You have a buddy hold the pelvis and really stabilize it. And that takes away the movement, the pelvis uh, from that hand CPR. But mechanical makes everything so much easier. All right. Now you have a lot of bad techniques that you get in the habit of in emergency medicine. Uh, you zigzag, right? Like, so you, you're, you're looking for your needle tip and it's not right in the plane you want. So you turn to the left and then you, oh, it's more to the right. And, and you find this very inundating path uh, to from the skin to the vessel. Now you get away with it with tiny little things, but when you get used to placing larger things like Reboa or ECMO uh, catheters, uh, you really need a straight shot, which means if you need to adjust your angle, you come all the way out to the skin, you readjust your angle, and then you could go in. So one continuous motion, one continuous angle, and that angle shouldn't be steep, which is what happens with the standard arterial line needles. It's just like a 
90 degrees to hit that vessel, that will not work to allow big catheters to flow in from the skin all the way to the vessel. So what you want to do is a 45 degree angle, which means you need a longer needle. And then you want to hit that right spot on that vessel, which means the anterior wall, not side uh, entry into that artery. All right. I hold my needle like a dart and that gives me the most control and I'll stabilize on the patient's leg while I'm entering that with that dart-like motion. All right, now there's two ways to get the needle from the skin into the vessel. There's the way the current generation is most commonly trained in, which is this needle walking, where you, know, you have your probe, you, you put the probe right on over the needle, you move the probe a little, the needle disappears, you move the needle, you find it again, you move the probe, it disappears. And that's fine, but it takes a while and it prevents you from keeping the probe on the exact spot you want to hit on that common femoral artery, which is we've already mentioned is super important. So that doesn't work. Now, what does work, but is very difficult, is called vessel trigonometry, where you will actually put your probe on where you want to hit the vessel. You'll see how deep it is. You'll actually enter with the needle at the skin that far back from the probe face. So if it's two centimeters down, you'll put your needle two centimeters back from the probe face. And at a 45 degree angle, thanks to the laws of trigonometry, at the point where it is right above the vessel is right under your probe face. And so that's the first time you'll see the needle tip and then you can watch it in real time puncture the vessel. Like I say, it's a pro level move. And most of the time we don't teach our trainees this. So how do we safely do both? Keep the probe over exactly where we want to hit and um, allow us to see the needle tip. We do the fan, right? So instead of moving the probe, we just change the angle of the probe such that we can see the needle and then we fan in needle, fan, needle, fan, needle, and then you get the best of both worlds. So that's what I recommend learning. All right, passing the wire. You could do it with your non-dominant hand, but I really like to re-grip the needle tip with my, uh, my left hand. I'm a right-hand dominant player. I could do ambidextrous, but I'm better with my right. And I re-grip, so I got in, I re-grip, and then I pick up the wire that's right next to me and place it into the hub. And since it's you know, the wire's exposed, I could do that in one motion. That's how I like to pack the wire during this because it gives the least amount of time to lose your position in the vessel. All right, now, one last wrinkle. And I, I don't know if you would have heard about this before. I, it was a revelation to me when my buddy, Pio Burbe, uh actually got in touch with me and said, you're doing this all wrong. Because up until that point, I would get these incredibly low diastolic blood pressures on my art line. And what you would actually... I say is, oh my God, they need a ton more heavy. They're not getting any systemic vascular resistance. And what it turns out is the machines are giving you the wrong numbers. You cannot use the numbers on your arterial line uh, tracing on the monitor. Like if it says 120 over minus 10, the diastolic is not minus 10. The systolic is fine, but the diastolic is a lie. And you cannot use those numbers. You actually have to look at the waveform itself. Because what happens is the uh, upstroke of compressions, whether it be mechanical or a hand, uh, is generating some negative pressure in there. And that gives you a temporary low point. You can see on point A, the black arrow on this uh, slide, that's what the machine is going off. But that is not, that's just a perturbation in the chest. That is not representative of the actual diastolic blood pressure. It's an anomaly. And it's because the machine is measuring incorrectly. You cannot use that number. That number is not real. All right, so you'll see 120 over zero or 120 over minus five. But where you need to go is to that gray arrow right before the systolic upstroke, and that's your actual diastolic blood pressure. So what you need to do is you need to look at the waveform instead of looking at the numbers. And you could put a line, that's what that orange line is, and I put that line at uh, 35. 
And that, that's because if my diastolic blood pressure, the upstroke of that systolic is above that line, then they're doing great. They're getting coronary perfusion. They don't need more epi. They don't need any vasopressors. And you can feel good about it. It doesn't matter what the number is on that diastolic. But if it's below that line, then the heart will not be able to come out of refib. It is not getting adequate perfusion. And that's when you consider improving your CPR or uh, considering additional things like epinephrine, norepinephrine, uh, vasopressin, because you're not getting enough coronary perfusion. And in the future, like I mentioned, we might be placing a Reboa catheter in that uh, situation to actually occlude most of the periphery and just keep most of that CPR blood flow going to the heart, lungs, and brain. All right. If any of this is confusing, you could hit me up on MCRIT and I will uh, answer anything. I have many lectures on this, especially about that hemodynamic wave interpretation during cardiac arrest. So to bring it all home, what I've taught you is not just a vital skill for monitoring to be able to get an art line during cardiac arrest, but what you're doing is you're training yourself for what I feel is the future, which is endovascular techniques being brought into cardiac arrest, both for trauma and medical arrest. So if you learn these skills now the right way, the way that would allow you to place catheters uh, through the sheath you're placing for arterial monitoring, then you'll be way ahead of the game five years from now when we're all doing Reboa for cardiac arrest. Well, there you have it. Episode one of the Resus X podcast, just tons and tons of pearls in there for you to take in. Go ahead and listen to it again. Or if you want to watch the video of this lecture to see some of the illustrations and slides that Scott was referring to, the link is in the show notes for you to watch again. And don't forget, we're announcing dates for the Recess X Conference in October very, very soon. Stay tuned for that. But until then, keep taking excellent care of your patients, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Recess X Podcast.